Gotham City, like any other large metropolis, abounds in girls of all shapes and sizes. Debutantes, nurses, stenographers, and librarians. Gotham City Library, Miss Gordon speaker. Lopez hair removal, this is Jose. Holy transformation. One minute, plain Barbara Gordon, librarian and Commissioner Gordon's daughter. And the next minute, something new has been added. Batgirl, modeled after her idol, Batman. Holy apparition! No, boy wonder, I'm Batgirl. You are no longer alone, Cape Crusader. It took me three years to track down the Jade Gato, and three more to figure out how to steal it. Funny, it only took me ten minutes to figure out how to snatch it back. No matter how you do it, crime doesn't pay girls. I'm your host, Stella, and this is Bad Girl to Oracle, episode 38 for April MMXII. Episode 38 is brought to you by this public service announcement. Johnny, catch! Oh no! Let's tell Mom it was Billy's mistake. You're making the mistake. Flint! Anyone can have an accident, but lying makes it worse. But Mom will be upset. She'll be even more upset if you lie. And how would you feel if Billy got punished? Face up to what you've done. Don't take the easy way out. We'll tell her we did it. Remember, it's better to tell the truth. And that's no lie. Now we know. And knowing is half the battle. Bad Girl to Oracle is also brought to you by MileHighComics.com, your new and collectible comic book store. Mile High Comics has an inventory of over 5 million comics from the gold, silver, bronze, and modern age, and over 100,000 trade paperbacks. If you're not into the vintage stock, Mile High Comics also has a subscription service called the New Issue Comics Express, offering a discounted price on comics ready to hit the shelves. So if you're looking for vintage back issues or a great modern subscription service, be sure to check out milehighcomics.com. Hello there, listeners. I know that when September came and all these number one issues came out in D.C., we were all a little worried. And some of them, you know, we've not been excited about. And some of them have certainly exceeded our expectations. And one of those books, for me, has been Birds of Prey. And I'm so happy to welcome Mr. Dwayne Swarzynski, the writer of Birds of Prey, on this show. So welcome, sir. Thank you, Stella. Glad to be here. 
Um, I always like to start off just getting uh, a feel for how you got into writing and then how you got into comics. Uh, definitely. I mean, I've been doing, you know, crazy little things since I was a kid, you know, like writing little cartoons. Um, I remember a gift one year was a refurbished typewriter. And I would sit there and just type random stuff. <laughs> it was fun. I had that weird bug as, you know, as a kid to like produce words and like pictures. I don't know what, where that comes from. If it's like a genetic mutation or if it's what, but, um, I always had that. And like through high school, I'd write stories for fun, usually during classes like math and science things I'm not very good at. <laughs> and, you know, eventually I just kind of grew to love it and kind of decided I want to do that with my life. Um, I did journalism for a long time and always wrote fiction on the side. And I was lucky enough four years ago to be able to do, you know, thanks to doing comics and then novel stuff, do this full time. So it's been like I mean, people ask me, you know, how do you become a writer? And I just say, well, spend 30 years, you know, <laughs> writing stuff for fun. And then, you know, eventually you uh, get all the bad writing out of your system or at least enough of it to start working professionally. Um, so that's kind of, you know, the, the, the short version of, you know, my very long, weird career. Now, I know DC sometimes sends out a call to find, you know, undiscovered artists and writers. Were you involved in something like that, or how did DC actually find you, or how did you contact them? Actually, I was writing for Marvel before DC. Um, oh, right. Yeah, because you were on Iron Fist. I, I did read Iron Fist. Exactly. Cool. Um, and yeah, it, it was funny. I, I broke in thanks to Ed Brubaker. Um, I had sent him a, a fan email. I read the first couple issues of Criminal and, and loved him, and I thought, wow, this is great. Just want to say hi. And it turned out he had bought one of my novels that same week, so he knew I, I was, you know, he actually knew who I was. I wasn't some random psycho <laughs> reaching out to him. Um, so we hit it off, and he said, hey, if you ever want to write you know, for comics, let me know. I'll, I'm happy to introduce you to my editors. And I'm like, yeah, of course, you know. Uh, uh, like, does Charles Bukowski like beer? I'll, I'd love to write for comics. And, you know, so I, I talked to his editors, uh, Warren Simons, then Axel Alonso, and, you know, I would have been happy doing, like, an eight-page backup somewhere in an issue, and that, that'd be it. But fortunately, it kind of took off into this sort of, you know, this a second career. So that's thanks to Ed Brubaker. I owe him my career. Yeah. That's so sure. I guess that's how you got your start on Iron Fist then since he... Exactly. Yeah. And, and before that, I was doing, like, you know, a show Wolverine. I did a Punisher arc. Uh, and I was on cable. So it, it sort of all, all kind of happened all at once. But then I was exclusive to Marvel for a few years. And then... Mm-hmm. I guess I knew um, some of the DC guys just, you know, from around the business. And I guess someone thought of me for birds. I'm not sure really who it was. It was, they kind of contacted me out of the blue last spring um, and asked if I'd want to pitch on it. And I said, absolutely. So that's kind of how that that happened. Yeah. So you just, when you were mentioning all of your Marvel titles, they were basically all male titles. Yes. And then here we go into, you know, Birds of Prey. So has that been a great change, you know, really kind of putting your mind into female-led comic versus, you know, these these big buff guys? <laughs> kind of. Although, you know, my novels, certainly they, they have a lot of uh, female protagonists. Um, you know, I'm married. I have a daughter who, you know, so I feel like I have a lot of, you know, sort of that, you know, the, the female world through their eyes <laughs> often. Um, in fact, I, I'm writing kind of Birds of Prey for my daughter. Like, I kind of want a comic she could read and get into, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know if I'm just, you know, it's funny that I was sort of, I think, typecast as a burly guy kind of writer because of the novels I write, I suppose. But I like to think I can do, you know, you know anything. Um, maybe that's foolish. <laughs> but I don't like limiting myself, I guess. 
Right. No, and I mean, it's come off well. Like, you wouldn't be able to tell. If your name wasn't on there, you wouldn't be able to tell that it was a man writing uh, female characters because they just come off the page so wonderfully. So I applaud you for that. Oh, that's great. I mean, I almost considered doing Diane Swarzynski, but I thought, nah, that's, that's <laughs> Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, well, there are several other, you know, Birds of Prey incarnations. You know, you have Chuck Dixon, who really started it all off, and then Gail Simone. Um, did you model your style after, you know, any of them even, you know, in a very small extent, uh, extent, or were you really trying to forge your own unique Birds of Prey? I think both. I mean, I definitely wanted to honor what came before. I, I loved Gail's run, Emily, you know, like, like, like uh, you know, of course, Chuck's stuff a lot. Um, it was, uh, but I guess the mandate coming from DC was like, you know, to reinvent and make this sort of approachable for someone new. Um, and just, you know, definitely don't ignore the past, but, you know, make it your own. So I really try to make it, okay, if I have this team, what would I want to do with them and put them through? And I kind of approached it with, a, you know, hopefully a fresh page. Um, I hope that's come off. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. And with that, you also have these new designs, and I always like to touch upon uh, the artists. And right now you have Jesus Saez and Javier Pina kind of going at it. Right. Did you get to choose your artists at all? Uh, no, I will actually happily. It was, uh, he was sort of chosen along, along with me, maybe before me even. I was just told, yeah, uh, Jesus will be your artist. I'm like, great. This is, you know, I, I love this stuff. Going back to Manhunter, you know, years ago. Oh, um, so that was great. And, you know, the designs, you know, it's actually, uh, Jesus led the charge and I was, I offered feedback, you know, it's funny. I was in the process. I was kind of the guy saying like, let's not make it like, I mean, for black canary, for instance, I was always honestly troubled by the cocktail waitress look, you know, <laughs> I, thought, I, mean, I love her as a character, but I just thought, God, why, why tactically, why would she wear that? You know, I was always nudging the direction of like, you know, cover her up a little bit. Let's, you know, let's make this more functional versus, mm-hmm. you know, hot pants. So, and I think Jesus was on the same page with me, so that fortunately I think worked out. Although some fans did not do not like you know, her her new costume. Well, so. it kind of goes back to Chuck Dixon's like her original costume before she had, um, you know, the fishnets and everything. She was more tactical gear, right? And it was more efficient. So I think it definitely calls back to that. And one thing that. Um, I, I obviously have this podcast and then I'm on another Batman podcast and we all loved the Ivy design just that she really is plant-like yes. and she was even turning uh, because it was fall she kind of had this brown, <laughs> you know, brown warm color it, that was just wonderful did you have any input on that? that was uh, Jesus is a genius like he really you know making her change the seasons he came yeah. up with her design um, I think my notes are just like you know, make her more you know, tactical and badass but what he did was made it here more organic, which I love. And that plays a big role in kind of um, in you know the current storyline. But also coming up is Ivy-centric a couple stories in like issues 10 and 11. So okay. you'll see what, you know, you'll actually explain why she has that sort of, you know, that, that new suit or newish suit. Yeah. Yeah. I was wondering because 8, she's nowhere to be seen, but I imagine she's um, it's kind of fighting off the influence that Choke had on her or put into her. So... Yes, or she may be up to something else. I won't okay. say what, but yeah, she's on, 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 on. But she's back in nine. You'll see. Okay, yeah. okay, right. looking forward to it. Uh, so yeah, we kind of lead into the cast. So did you know uh, going into all of this what characters you were going to write? Yes, they actually handed me a list. They kind of said, "Here's what we want to do, and okay. here's the characters you know on the plate. What would you do with them?" You know, that's kind of the, the way they asked me to pitch them. And the one difference was uh, Starling. You know, Ed wasn't on there. It was. Um, uh, Lady Blackhawk, and I thought oh. that, was, that was cool. I liked her a lot, and that was mm-hmm. cool. But then they, after you know, we talked a bit more, and things developed. 
uh, someone you know realized, well, we have this other thing called Blackhawks. Is it weird that she's not in that? You know, and she's time displaced. Is that kind of a weird thing right. to explain late like, in issue one, which I had to grant, you know, yes. So they decided to actually kind of put in the sidelines and asked, you know, Jesus and I to create someone new, which I love the idea of that. And that's where Starling came from. You okay. know, I think to fill that kind of that voice that Lady Blackhawk may have provided, but also in, in her own way. I kind of wanted someone, honestly, the opposite of Oracle, where she's not tech based. She's like, you know, sort of a scrappier old school, you know, doesn't even like, you know, really use computers. <laughs> kind of just right, yeah. school spy stuff that I kind of loved. Um, and, you know, made her just, you know, fun and kind of a, a foil for Canary, I think. Were there any characters that you wanted in the book that you couldn't have maybe now or at all? Um, Batman. No, I'm okay. kidding. Um, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, no, actually, I kind of I like the um, that it was a weird mix. What intrigued me most was having Ivy on the team. Right. At first, I was like Ivy, really, and, and like, I thought about it, and I kind of it made sense story wise once I started kind of kicking around my skull. So no, I, I kind of I loved you know all of them. Well, let's do a, a little roll call and just tell us a little bit about each of the characters. Um, what you would want you know someone to really know, and what you were really putting into those characters. Okay. So I guess we'll start with Dinah since she's kind of the the team leader. So what would you like us to know about Dinah? I think she just feels this overwhelming responsibility to make this team work. You know, she's the older sister, it feels like, and she's gathered these people for a reason. Uh, I mean, you'll see actually very soon. Well, you see actually in issue eight, a hint of that toward the end, why, you know, what she's going for. Uh, that's to be more developed in the coming issues. But, you know, she's kind of the, the leader, which I think is, makes it different from Gail's run, certainly. You know, before... Oracle was at the core of this group, you know. Mm-hmm. I want to switch nucleus to to Dinah and make it, you know, her be the the, the center. That makes sense. So no, it does. Yeah, she, she's the rock, the rock of the uh, the team. Gotcha. I think we already touched on Ev. How about yes. how about Katana? Katana, you know, I, I mean, her justification for being there is, I think, um, Canary no, knew she needed a, another fighter who was, you know, equal to her skills. Um, Katana is great fun to explore because she has this idea that her, her dead husband's in her sword. And uh, it's fun to play with the idea of maybe she's right and maybe she's just a little crazy, you know, <laughs> and we're not quite sure. Um, you can't deny her skills. And, you know, um, I think she actually provides an interesting uh, – f- she's an interesting friend for, for Canary, actually, whereas Starling is a little more you know, freewheeling and kind of you know, a little, little you know, funny. Katana is like this, you know, your serious friend who can, like, speak to you honestly and doesn't joke around too much and it gives you good advice. Right, which I think we saw in, I'm not sure what issue that was, but where they met at the dojo and they're right. kind of sparring and she's giving advice to Dinah. Exactly. I think we saw that there. Yeah. Uh, how about Ivy? Ivy, I, I see as, you know, the most powerful member of the team in terms of powers. Like, she really can kick ass. She's the, the, the bull, you know. Um, uh, she can stop trains and, like, you know, absorb explosions and all kinds of crazy things. And I think she's like the, almost also the dark side of the team where she represents where they could go. Obviously she has no problem with killing people, you know, pursue her goals and other team members kind of fall in different places on that spectrum. So she's like the, you know, the uh, other, other extreme, which is fun. (laughs) Uh, And then you have Babs. Yes. So what what can you tell us about Babs? Because originally, you know, she turned down Dinah in issue number one, and then she kind of enthusiastically joins in issue number four. So um, I wouldn't I say enthusiastically. I mean, maybe I mean maybe that's what comes across, but it's almost like I kind of feel like she's on the team grudgingly, you know, okay. out, of, out of friendship. But like, you know, any team where Ivy's a member, I'm not sure she's gung ho about it. Um, 
And here's where I can't talk too, too much because there's okay. an issue coming up. I mean, where this is uh, really fully explained, kind of their, their backgrounds. They have a different background they may, you know, <clears throat> that may have been explored in the past. So there's an, actually there's a, there's a canary, you know, Batgirl-centric issue coming up. Okay. All that we're really getting into this, so I don't want to hint at it too much. Okay. Let's see. Right now, it, it just seems like the team has come together for very different reasons, um, though especially because Dinah was recruiting them. Are we ever going to see more of why Dinah chose these particular people, and will we see these characters bond outside of a mission? Yes, on both counts. Um, okay. It'll be re- more re- reveals on how, you know, why she got this certain team. Um, but yeah, I, I, it's funny. I, I kind of I'm very conscious of balancing like their personal lives with the missions, and you know, one of the mandates in, in, this, in this kind of uh, storytelling is action, action, action. You know, I kind of want to keep them going and um, mm-hmm. never have a breathless moment. It's tough to you know. I try to put in you know character stuff where I can. You know, um, I guess I don't want to do you know a few pages of just you know them in a coffee shop. I want to have like you know a more uh, dynamic team. So the trick is finding ways to do that in the middle of missions. Yeah. Um, yeah, two people I'm certainly interested about, St. Ev, because we've heard a lot about her Uncle Earl. Yes. And this he just seems like a crazy character, and you don't really know too much about him. And then, of course, just that panel with her and that, that other girl. Um, yeah. You know, I couldn't yeah. really tell if that was a romantic sort of thing or if she's just related to her and that's her sister. Can oh, you... no, it's romance, yeah. Okay, it is romance. Okay. Yep. Um, and as far as Uncle Earl goes, actually, I, I've written a, a Starling-centric issue, kind of a, a standalone with Uncle okay. Earl. You'll meet him. And it's an inventory. Like, I'm not sure when it'll appear, but I'm pretty proud of it. I think it's kind of fun. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, the first issue I wasn't too sold on, Ev. I just thought, I'm not sure about her. But actually, she I, I've really grown to love her as we've started to see her go along. So. Oh, that's, that's good to hear. Yeah. Um, uh, Babs and Dinah, they're really close, so you may not be able to talk about this, but will we be able to see their relationship? Because it's kind of, it seems like it's been a little strained, uh, in the beginning, but as we've gone later on, it seems like they've become closer, and in past versions of Birds of Prey, they've been really, like, sisterly love, they're best friends, and I just wonder, are you going to get into that sort of, um, development? Absolutely, and in a big way. Um, and guaranteed before you know before the end of the year, you'll have like the definitive like, oh, what happened? You know, because it is different from what you know fans may have uh, understood from before. You know, okay. I think a lot, a lot of it was us trying to feel out what their relationship was. You know, and the whole the whole you know relaunch of the new fifty two things were different. You know, and we're trying to figure out what, what, what you know what made these guys tick and what made them you know friends. Um, and you know we've kind of I think cracked that nut over the past year, and then it will, but we will explain exactly where they come from. Okay. Uh, definitively. So, I just can't say what it is yet. Oh, I understand. <laughs> um, if Batgirl continues to be on the team, do you think there's ever going to be um, a struggle for leadership? Because she kind of like hopped out all of a sudden in issue four. She was giving all these orders like you know, yeah. you do this and this. Do you think? But Dinah seems like she is the the team, the field leader right now. Do you think there will be any uh, struggling between the two? I suppose it's possible, but I'll give you a little hint here. It's not quite uh, Batgirl that Dinah should worry about as far as leadership struggles. Oh, okay. That's all I'll say. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Well, little tease. Okay. Um, let's talk about the supporting cast. Right. Um, I, I guess I did have a lot of questions about Trevor, but now <laughs> I have to leave him for, you know, I had to edit my notes when I figured, when I had read Seven. Um, do you think right. there will be a larger cast of characters brought into the fold, or are you mainly just wanting to develop the members of the team? Yeah, I'm, I, honestly, it's funny. I, I kind of, 
I had no reason for not introducing new members. I mean, new, new, you know, new characters, but I kind of like focusing on, um, you know, the team itself, the five, um, it's there. Really, that said, there will be, there are other characters that'll be, uh, the next few issues, especially that'll be, you know, subbing in, but I, I kind of lately keeping the camera on, on the birds themselves. Yeah, I, I thought, you know, when Trevor, he kept popping up, I thought, well, maybe he's going to be this handler sort of person, and this is like the one minor character, and I was, you know, kind of getting attached to him, and I was completely blown away by the fact that he was the bad guy, so glad, good glad job to hear there. That. Yeah. Good. Um, romantic entanglements, do you think we'll have any? Uh, yeah, I think so. I missed all the punching and fighting, definitely. <laughs> there will be some, there'll be, there'll be some love. Okay. Um, the villains. So our first story arc has our heroines going up against the cleaners and it's under the leadership of choke. Right. Was it, was it important for you to come out of the gates with an original villain? Yes. I mean, I think that, uh, that DC wanted that. They wanted, you know, um, you know, DC has a great cast of heroes, uh, and they have great villains, but not as many, you know, heroes uh, villains as heroes. So, uh, they were all about, you know, Hey, create me new, new, new threats. And I kind of, my thinking was originally, okay, this is a team essentially of sort of spy-like, you know, uh, you know, fighters. Who would be the worst kind of person to throw at them? And I thought it'd be someone who messed with people's brains, you know, and kind of who uh, really was a sort of ultimate spy master, almost the Moriarty to the, you know, the birds, Holmes, you know, what I mean? it's that yeah. kind of guy. And I kind of um, had a loose idea that he would always, or he or she would always be hidden behind, you know, a series of fronts and masks and things. Um, and I kind of like it. You don't really see him, you know, until late in the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe frustrating. I don't know. I just I always like a new kind of villain that um, you're not quite sure what to expect. Um, but I hope it worked. I don't know. The reaction so far has been good, but yeah, you know, <laughs> we'll see. Yeah, and did you try to develop Cahill so much um, with readers so that they would be so blown away by the revelation at the end? Absolutely. Yeah, I, I tried that. You know, I, I don't want to make him too front and center. Obviously, I want to hide him in plain sight. Um, and also, you know, also the, the cleaners, I want to make sure they were, you know, th- th- their revelation, they're actually ordinary people who are brainwashed was kind of, you know, a really big deal to me. So in a way, you don't, don't really, the first seven issues, you don't really see a villain per se, you know, <laughs> which I thought was uh, a fun thing to try to play around with. Those rhymes, this is a question that I kind of just came up with. Those rhymes yes. that uh, he always starts off and then, you know, continues on the page. Did you come up with all of those? They're public domain, real nursery rhymes. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. I had no idea. I would have used, uh, you know, uh, song lyrics from Metallica, but, you know, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> I, uh, yeah, it's all public domain. I think nursery rhymes are creepy. I, I really do. Yeah. You read them, they're often about death or being lost or darkness, and it's like, wow, you know? Yeah. And certainly out of context, too, with, like, not knowing, you know, where it's from, I think it, it even more adds to that uh, creepiness factor. Absolutely. Yeah. Do you think bigger villains will be making appearances, or are you going to try to stick with creating an original rogues gallery? Um, great. Actually, you know, that's a great question. Uh, the very next issue is a tie-in to the uh, the Batman, you know, uh, uh, you know, Court of the Owls storyline, and you'll see, you know, of course, there'll be a tie-in to that. Beyond that, yes, there will be uh, more villains and some familiar villains, though not in the way you might expect. That's all I can say. Okay. Looking forward to it. 
Um, so the birds right now, given things that they've said, things that have been said in other books uh, throughout the DC universe, especially uh, the Dark Knight, I think it's been said a couple times. Can you clear up the status of the team? You know, because they seem like they're some sort of shady group of people that you can't tell if they're villains or good guys in other books. But in this book, um, it's very clear that they're trying to be good guys. Right. So what is the status and then how do they fit into the, the DC universe? It's a great question because I, I thought a lot about that. You know, early on was what's the pl- what's their place in Gotham City? You know, what why do they need why do we need a Birds of Prey there? And we have Batman. Like, we have all kinds of people there. You know, why do we need these guys? And I think it's that, that their outlaws do make them unique, and they can sort of handle different threats. Like the choke threat, you know, is one of those oddball threats that could be very serious, but no one may believe. You know, on its surface. Um, so I kind of see them tackling things like that, but. You know, it's interesting. This question is being addressed in issues 10 and 11 in a big way. Okay. Uh, I don't want to hint too much, but it kind of, you know, I, I'm, I'm aware of that the whole the whole run, thinking kind of what is their place, you mm-hmm. know, and, and what is their deal. Uh, a lot of it, I'll, I'll say this, a lot of it comes from Canary and her motivation for forming the team, you know, and her background will surprise some people, I think, when it's revealed. Okay. Uh, do or will you work closely with other writers? You know, we've seen Ivy in The Dark Knight and Dinah in Batgirl, and Batgirl has been over here. Do you think you're going to work with any other writers on these on this book, or if maybe the team is incorporated in another book? I, I'd love to. I mean, uh, I'm friends with Kyle Higgins, who does Nightwing. We've, you know, joked around about doing a crossover. I, I would love to do that, you know, but I'm definitely open to it. Um, right now, the first crossover has been, you know, the, of course, the, the, the Owls, but... Going forward, I, I, I'd imagine actually. No, geez, I'm lying. Yes, there will be a big cross. <laughs> there will be a big okay. hand. Uh, just, just dawned on me. Um, but I can't say what it is yet. Okay. It won't be the traditional crossover. It'll be like a. Well, you'll see. Okay. It, four months from now, listen to this podcast again, folks, and then you'll understand what I'm talking about. <laughs> so, um, be so cryptic. Uh, it'll be very obvious, kind of what. Uh, it has to do with uh, backgrounds of certain characters. Okay, I almost wonder if it has if it's going to be like Suicide Squad because when Ivy was, um, I mean, I know you can't say anything, but when Ivy was first solicited as being on the on the team, I thought, wait, is this going to be, you know, sort of a Suicide Squad or the um, what was that Gotham? Oh, that Gotham Girls. Oh, yeah, Sirens. Yeah, there we go, yes. Gotham City Sirens kind of team, because we have this, you know, villain on the team. But So that'll be interesting. I, I look forward to yeah. the crossover. And then if Nightwing is brought over, I know this is a new sort of DC universe, but yeah. um, in the previous DC universe, uh, Dino was somewhat attracted toward him, and then you've got Babs. So that could have, right. course, be a good little love triangle there if he's brought on, but I look That's- forward to that. That's true. That's true. Although you know, in this 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 incarnation, uh, there is a, a husband floating around, or was. So that's just, oh, just right. Tip of the hat there. I don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, 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 I'm sure this is frustrating. I wish I could say more. No, but I understand. They've implanted like a, a little explosive device in my head. If I say certain words, oh, my dear. head will explode. Yeah. So yeah. These, they're cruel to these people. <laughs> Uh, do you think we'll see the birds go up with any other heroes? You've already kind of said Nightwing. You may not be able to go into this. Um, Batman has been somewhat mentioned. Yes. Do you think there's any possibility of team-ups with other heroes in the DCU? I can say this one thing. Uh, hopefully it's not too much of a spoiler, but uh, the, the birds do meet Batman in issue 10. Okay. And I was dying to write that for a long time. <laughs> okay. That sounds good. Just to see their interaction, because I, I kind of I thought it was important to show, you know, from his point of view, what how he thinks, you know, how he regards the birds. 
what he sees their role as. And mm-hmm. so that we kind of do that a little bit in, in 10. Yeah, because he seems like he doesn't necessarily trust them in just some of the, the few things yes. that he has said in other books. So that'll be so, good. Uh, Dinah mentioned in issue number two that she wishes for a headquarters, uh, though Starling had opposed this idea, I think, through some of Uncle Earl's guidance. Uh, Will we see the team get some sort of home base? Because they've just kind of been wandering around. In fact, yes, you will. I can confirm you'll see a home base in issue 11 because I just just wrote it. You'll see. (laughs) Um, It may not be the home base you may have been hoping for, but you'll see. Yeah. I want to actually slap myself for all these like vague answers. Like you'll see, you know. Well, we're getting enough knowledge, I think, though, that it'll just wet people's palates, and then I'll keep them wanting to come back for more. So that's. I hope so. Yeah. So broadest of terms, what can we expect for the Birds of Prey in the you know the coming issues? I hope a lot of surprises. That's the honestly, I'm going for a surprise. You know that, but that then being surprised, having surprises has a you know another side to it. It has to be grounded in their reality. You know, it can't just be surprise for surprise sake. You know, it has to be make story sense. But I kind of want this book to be uh, every month you come to it thinking, wow, what will happen next? You know, geez, what could possibly happen next? Um, those are the kind of comics I love reading, and you know, even other kinds of you know TV shows I love watching. So I want to keep that that that. You know, sort of suspense factor up, but also deepen their their backgrounds. That's a big deal. You know, in the next few issues, kind of you'll see more of Canary's background. Uh, Batgirl certainly, Starling at that. You know, as we go forward, um, and you know, actually, Phil Porcatana gets sort of left out often. Um, I want to you know delve into her a bit more too. I think she's fascinating, um, and not just have her be like the, the fifth wheel, fourth wheel, what have you. So, yeah. Um, and we will definitely see more of Ivy and kind of what her deal is very soon. But, I, you know, again, just going forward, um, I'm really thankful for the reaction so far. Uh, people have been really super kind, you know, and telling me how much they like the, the book. And I keep the hope of surprising people with it. And I think, yeah, I think you certainly have. I've been following, you know, just this team coming together because in the beginning, it's really been a group of individuals. They hadn't really been a team. Right. And each issue was like a journey and they had been getting closer and closer and then issue seven it just sort of dissolved and all of this happened and i thought oh my word this is a <laughs> roller coaster it's emotional but Good. um i think that's great though when you feel that way you've become invested in the characters and that's certainly because of your writing that you know i've come to care for these characters that's so great to hear that's exactly what i was hoping for that by the end of seven you're like whoa what what just happened wait <laughs> where did it all go yeah um but it is a, a journey and hopefully it'll be a lot of you know ups and downs um, story-wise, you know, not sales-wise. Hope it's all up. Oh, dear. I hope not. <laughs> um, how many issues do you have planned out? You said you just wrote 11. Do you have any past that? Uh, I, I'm, I'm working on the, I, I, the plot for 12 um, and 13, actually. So, yeah, um, you know, I, I've been, you know, told that, you know, Birds is and they're happy with Birds, the job I'm doing so far. So that's good. You know, sales is always, sales always creep down, you know, right. and then you hope that, yeah, a, a jolt um, to bring it back up again. We have an actually new artist and up with number um, nine travel foreman. Okay. Who I've worked with, you know, in uh, an iron fist for quite a while. Um, and not that I mean, I, I'm going to miss Jesus like crazy. I think he was, you know, brilliant, but if anyone wanted to replace him, I love travel stuff, you know, just as much. So that's good. And, you know, we made the crossover. We'll encourage some folks to check out, you know, the birds um, hopefully, but yeah, uh, so far so good. Okay. So, are you planning on being on for, for a good while then? Yes, as long as okay. I'll Yeah, definitely. Okay. 
No, that's good to hear because I hate when, you know, you, you have such a great writer and then they leave and then they're like two or three within the span of a year. So I'm glad to see yeah. there's going to be consistency and you'll get to work well. Um, oh, thank you for saying that. But yeah, that's great. Are you working on anything else? If you can't say, of course, you don't have to. No, I am actually not for DC, but is other other things okay? Other? Yeah, of course. I, yes. Um, I'm do, actually doing a, a, a run of Godzilla for IDW. Oh, Okay. And I, I'm dying to have a, a Starling Godzilla crossover, but that won't happen. <laughs> no. Oh boy! Well, at first sight, I think for Starling. <laughs> exactly. Um, that's that's a lot of. Fun. It's so different from Birds in a way, although it's you know in a weird way it's a team book too. Um, but that, the first issue's out in May, and uh, I'm uh, resurrecting Bloodshot for Valiant Comics starting in July. You're um, talking about the character Bloodshot. He's a sort of uh, ultimate weapon character. Uh, again, very different from the Birds, but mm-hmm. I guess it's back to my. Tough guy days, right? Yeah. Harkening back to that. Uh, and some of the stuff in the works I can't talk about, but those are the two main things uh, aside from birds. Oh, actually, there's one small thing, um, DC related. I wrote a short piece for um, Vertigo's Mystery in Space that'll be out in May. Oh, okay. That was fun. Just very different. It involves Jersey bars and drinking and, and cyborgs and aliens. Oh, gosh. That seems like Starling's. You could do a crossover there. That seems like <laughs> Starling's sort of her cup of tea. Yeah, if I might dream like uh, sort of, you know, uh, sort of offshoot book, it would be like, you know, Starling's Barroom Tales, just oh, hanging out in the bar of Starling. Here I in bet, her- yeah. Um, do you think we'll ever learn like the history of her tattoos or are they just kind of a detail that we'll never um, get into? I should pretend and say they have deep meaning, but actually they're Jesus's creation. Okay. <laughs> I love them. Um, there is a lot to her story, though. There's actually a hint dropped. Wait, was the hint dropped in seven or eight? Was it? There's a hint about her. Um uh, her sort of sketchy past that's coming up. Okay. So I'll have to reread seven and eight then to see. I think don't hold me to that. Catch it. it may be nine. No, oh boy. Okay. <laughs> it all blurs together, Stella. It's just you know the massive story in my head. No, I understand, and I'm not good with issue numbers, anyways. I just yeah. kind of remember stories and not really issues. So same here. Well, we do have two people wrote in. Um, I think it was just a, I don't know, a lull. People weren't on the internets. Uh, from oh, Sprezinski? Uh, sorry, go ahead. <laughs> no, I don't think so. I'm telling you, though, out of, because there have been some disappointments in DCU, mm. and this has been one that has been my favorite, and um, there have been other people that I've talked to that absolutely love this. Oh, thank you. So happy to hear that. Yeah, and I just wasn't sure. You know, when I first read the Solitz and I saw this group of characters, I thought, oh, I don't know about this. But you completely blew me away and made me a believer. So thank you. Excellent. Yeah, geez, you're welcome. Thank you. Um, Oh, yeah. uh, Let's see here. So from Icy One, what is your favorite character so far in Birds of Prey? I, you know, this is probably uh, predictable, but, you know, Starling, because I had a chance to, you know, co-create her. It Mm -hmm. It was fun to kind of introduce a, you know, a new voice into the mix. Um, and she's just great fun to write. You know, Canarius is great, um, but it's nice to have that sort of, like, you know, wise-ass foil for her as well. So, and it's funny. I thought she was my, my, my daughter's favorite character, but she's not, you know. I, <laughs> I was like, wow. So who is your daughter's favorite character? Uh, Katana. Okay. Kind of cool, yeah. Yeah. So um, Brian Q. Miller, since he, they, he along with Lee Garbutt, they co-designed that new Stephanie Brown Batgirl yes. way back when. And, of course, they came out with that uh, action figure, so he was really proud of that. So I'm hoping that maybe they'll come out with a Starling action figure, and then you can say that you co-designed that. Are, are there any plans for any figures in the works for the Birds of Prey? I haven't heard a peep. Uh, I would love that. Um, 
I'm, I'm a big kid, so I would, I would absolutely love to have that. <laughs> uh, but no word so far. Okay. So. Um, still from IC1, was Poison Ivy ever a Batman villain in this new continuity? Uh, yes. Yes, she was. Okay. Because he trusts her. I don't know if you're reading The Dark Knight. I assume you are. But he was very kind to her and trusted her in that issue. And so that was interesting to right. see. Right. You know, but I think a lot of Batman villains, I, mean, I think there's, there's been sort of this, you know, I don't know, Batman is not, you know, black and white as far as that goes sometimes. I think, certainly with, you know, with Catwoman. Um, right. I think they've had, I mean, my understanding is they've had their, you know, run-ins in the past. Um, and especially, you know, you'll see in, in Birds 10 when they have their meeting, he refers to, refers to Ivy, you know. Okay. So. And we'll probably get more into that in that issue that's highlighting her as well, probably. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, and finally, what is Ivy's power set without her metahuman enhancing suit? Um, you know, it's unexplained right now. We're not sure. Um, she has this thing, and she has this sort of this suit to enhance her abilities for a reason uh, that I can't say. But if she didn't have that, well, I'm not sure how powerful she'd be. Let's just say that. Okay. Uh, and from Donna Mark, what is was it your idea to put Poison Ivy on the team, or was it an editorial mandate? Also, how did you approach her having her on a team of good guys or gals? All about Ivy, I guess. Yes, um, it wasn't my idea. She was on that first list they sent right. me. Um, after my initial, like, what? I, I was into it um, and kind of really, really got into it. And I guess I approached it as, I, I thought it was important for Ivy to prove herself. You know, like if I had this checkered past, which I might have, uh, you know, joining a team of do-gooders, I'd want to it's almost like, you know, prove my worth, you know? And I think she does that in, like, three and four, and there's, there's a couple of issues where she really saves their bacon, you know, uh, a couple of times. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I, I will say, we'll get, you know, it'll get into this in the future issues, but she's not being, you know, uh, fake about it. I think she does care about these their teammates and wants to help them. I guess the, the bigger re- the reason is, you know, question is why she wants this, and that'll be answered, but... It's genuine, you know. I kind of see her as the older sister who's, like, seen more, you know, been through, had a bunch of bad experiences and, you know, has this kind of feeling of, of sisterhood with these younger younger characters. Um, so it's not fake. I think she's like, you know, the younger sister may, who may make fun of you and, you know, push you around a little bit. Or sorry, the older sister may push you around, but she still cares about you. Yeah. I think, yeah, she certainly had her initiation, her trial by fire in issue three because it started off with, you know, Starling and Katana um, pointing their weapons at her. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, you know, later she saves them all from an explosion. Yeah. So, I mean, I think she kind of got on the team rather quickly. So. Yeah, yeah. And she meant it, I think. Yeah, and I think Starling has actually grown somewhat fond of her because she's gone from throwing hateful words to her to actually pointing a gun at a uh, choke and telling him to remove that suggestion. So that was a huge leap in the right direction for those two. Absolutely. Yeah. They're tight in a weird way. <laughs> well, do you have any, I guess, closing thoughts on anything? Uh, I just, just, I'm really hugely thankful for anyone who picks it up and, and, uh, and re enjoys it. And thanks for spreading the word about the book, you know, uh, books, as you know, live and die by readers. And I'm hoping right. that, you know, that birds will keep going. Yeah. Thanks so much for agreeing to be on. I know it's been, this has been a trial certainly for us getting times down and. Yeah, I'm so sorry. (laughs) Meetings. Oh, it's no, that's the job. You know, you get called and you have to answer it. So. Absolutely. Just like a superhero, you know. You know, yeah, exactly. You never know when you have to slip out the window and tights and do your thing. (laughs) Exactly. So thanks so much again for coming on and answering questions. Thanks, Stella. 
just plain Barbara Gordon, masquerading for a lark as she rides into the night on her special Batgirl cycle. Who knows? Is the dynamic duo destined to become the triumphant trio? Only time will tell us more about this dazzling dare doll. Ah, I love a happy ending, don't you?